Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to another exciting episode, episode 45. Woo! You've come a long way. Yeah, recorded on Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. Which, you know, whether or not that means something to you, I guess. Yeah. Whether or not that means something to you, I suppose, happy Valentine's Day for or, us at the podcast. Or happy Wednesday. Or happy... Or happy Ash Wednesday, or right. happy Winter Olympics, or... There's really, it's kind of a busy day. It's a very busy day for the world. Yeah. Well then. And it's another busy day for us too because we got a podcast to do and we got a good one. Got it was a close to... call this uh, this time. Right. We had our poll this time. We were talking about a rogue specialization. We put up four. We're gonna save the ranger for a little later. And it came really close between Shadow and Bard, but mm-hmm. Shadow won out by two votes. Yeah. Your votes count, so. Uh... Mm-hmm. Definitely keep on voting. Well, thank you for everybody who voted, of course, as for helping us to uh, deliver the podcast that you want to hear. And uh, speaking of delivering all this and delivering lots of stuff, we've got a lot of questions that have been delivered to us, so we should probably get into them. We're yes. going to go ahead and consult that codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm... Going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We have many questions, several of which have had to be pushed over to the next episode because we seem to be keep, we seem to keep getting more, especially from a couple of you. Thank uh, you so not much. That, I say that is not a complaint. That is actively a compliment. It's Please true. keep sending us it's lots true. of great oh. things. Yeah, thank you so much for sending us all your questions. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a problem. Please keep sending them. We're always happy to talk about this kind of stuff. So, our first set of rapid-fire questions are coming from Mark Natris through our Facebook page. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, so, first questions. Here we go. How well does a rogue's backstab work throughout a full campaign? I don't think Callian has really stopped using it. No. Pretty it's much never. Because, um, at least when you get to level 4, rogues have access to bluff and backstab. It pretty, they jump in back and forth between which one they use. Mm-hmm. but like She's better with the, back, with the stealth for the backstab. But. Yeah. You can use them both. Yeah, absolutely. So but, it, uh, I wouldn't say it's like a huge damage boost, but mm-hmm. it's certainly useful. Yeah. It you know the damage boost doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. once you get into the higher levels, but you know, an extra d6 never really right. hurts. Yeah, there are a couple things that we'll mention going later in that might change some minds about the greatness of backstab, especially with some rogue specializations that come That out. is true. There are some reasons to do it. Particularly the one we're about to talk about. So, mm-hmm. um, Mark, we'll give you some quick answers, and we'll see how you feel by the end of the episode, uh, because we'll definitely have more to say later. But, uh, for my two cents, I think that backstab works perfectly well, especially if the rogue keeps investing in things like stealth and deception, then they're going to be very good at it, so they're going to be getting it a lot. That's true. Especially once they start getting, like, perforate, and they can do two backstabs in the same round. That is nice. Mm-hmm. And especially because uh, you can combine it with things like a cheap pierce armor and several specializations that, like, make your damage penetrating when you pierce armor mm-hmm. or add extra damage when you surprise people. So, 
Your mileage varies depending on really what specializations you're going for, what your fighting style is. It's not quite as helpful, I think, for ranged characters, but ranged characters yeah. have got some toys to play with. So, uh, is it too hard to do any damage without it to armored foes, with reference to backstab? Um, I wouldn't say that it's too hard that you shouldn't ever try, um, but of course, if you've got uh, it's like a Templar with 10 armor rating going up against uh, just like a rogue. Yeah, a rogue without certain mm. abilities. Yes, then they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Our rogue, well, I mean, besides being level 20 at this point. Yes. We did hit level 20 recently, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, besides being super high level, the fact that she does have, A, the duelist mm-hmm. uh, specialization, which helps a lot. And now the shadow And the shadow specialization, and of course, everybody's favorite spell. Means basically she's uh, almost always doing penetrating damage. Right. She's almost always doing penetrating damage, doing like 30 damage a hit, and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a so, um, as you get higher levels, rogues get better at dealing with armor, because, I mean, level 2, you get pierce armor for one stun point. That's Yeah, that's a big deal. Rogues like, are actually really good at yeah. dealing with armor. If you attack somebody and you get any stun points, you can just deal with damage to with half their armor. And even with a guy, a guy who's got 10 armor rating, that's 5 armor rating. That's much more surmountable. And if you're a good enough duelist, that damage mm-hmm. becomes penetrating. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Unless worst, they have like a master in armor uh, training in which... The worst you're going to have to deal with, yeah. I mean, the worst you're going to have to deal with is half armor rating, mm-hmm. but rogues are very good at getting there. Yes. So I would not say it's too hard to do damage without it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say it helps. Yes. Uh, do you only allow it with melee weapons? Uh, here's an interesting one. Because the rules do not say that it right. has to be a melee weapon, but it does imply that you need to be adjacent. It says that you have to approach them with a dexter- with a move action and make a dexterity stealth test, which sounds like you probably need to get up next to them, or at the very least, by your GM standards, might just mean get closer. Mm-hmm. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, might table variation expected. Yeah. We... I, I could see either one. I, as long as you're getting closer to the enemy, I yeah. could see allowing uh, ranged rogues to backstab from far away as long as they are getting closer to the enemy yes. in the process. Mm-hmm. I think recently you ran it where it was, as long as you're adjacent, it doesn't matter what you're wielding, you can still backstab. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was a solid way to go. That's it. I mean, I think it probably should... In retrospect, I'm kind of more on the side of as long as they move towards the target, mm-hmm. that it's okay because that lets uh, ranged rogues continue to use their primary class ability. Yes. So, mm-hmm. that's my thing. Fair enough. How hard is it for someone to disengage and hide during a fight so they can come back next round with a potential sneak attack? It's, honestly, this one is also going to be a very table variation mm-hmm. kind of answer because some GMs might think, that, or and it also might depend on the encounter that you're in. Some encounters, it could be really difficult to get away and come back. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if you're fighting in, if you're like fighting in a crowded area, you could very easily get away and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're fighting in like forest or a place with a lot of cover, then sure. If you're fighting in a big empty square room, probably a little harder. That said, rules as the rules as written, mm-hmm. there's no penalty for stealthing while observed. Correct. While that's you know, common in other games, that is not the case in this one. Mm-hmm. So, with the rules as written, what you can do is you can attack. Mm-hmm. Actually, can't you move, attack, move, or is that just D&D 5e? That's just D&D 5e. Okay. 
So you can you move can and do attack. That if you are um, mounted and have a specific combat style. But we're probably not. But if you're a rogue, I guess not. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you could have a really sneaky mount. But what we usually have been seeing is the you know stealth, move up, backstab, mm-hmm. you know, back away, just back away yeah. and uh, attack somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you know, stealth over to someone else, and then stealth over back over to the same person, even yeah. if there's no cover. Just sort of implying that you are at least fainting them, you know, or sort of mm-hmm. faking them out. I definitely, especially at early levels when you don't get bluff yet, uh, I see a lot of rogues, and I think it's a fair, fair tactic, a lot of rogues dancing around. They it's sneak true. up and backstab somebody, and then they go to it, then they circle around and go to a different target and backstab, backstab that them, target. And then they circle around and find another target, or even the target that they got last time if they haven't followed them, and then they backstab them. So they kind of spread it around a little bit, and once you get to level four, then you get bluffed, so you can do it with communication deception while they're standing next to you. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, hopefully that helps. Uh, do you recommend running it as is or using the version in Fantasy Age? Uh, for clarification's sake, fan- in Fantasy Age, instead of backstab, they have what's called pinpoint attack, which is if you attack somebody and they have less decks than you, once around, whenever you roll, when you roll a damage roll against them, you get an extra d6 of damage. Which is simple, quick, and easy to do. Um, it does mean, though, that if you come up against an enemy who doesn't have, who has better decks than you, then you're just dealing less damage to them. I kind of prefer the Dragon Age version because it at least leaves a little bit to chance, but takes mm-hmm. into account the abilities of both and takes perception into account, which I think is important. Definitely, I agree. And uh, if you run it that way, it also means it opens the value, opens up the possibilities for more stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, my it's, whichever one you prefer, pinpoint to strike is definitely a lot easier and like, easier to use, and just so you can like look at this and be like, look at this and be like, does it work? Okay, we move on. Yeah, so, it's a matter of ease versus a mm-hmm. bit more, uh, I guess, detail. Yeah, once you start getting used to having rogues in the party, you kind of get used to seeing like the player move their mini up to the enemy. Then you can just kind of quietly behind your screen roll mm-hmm. a perception roll seeing test. Or if you if you've got a level twenty character looking at their perception of one and being like, yeah, you got it. Well, and one of the issues that would I think come with uh, not using the standard the Dragon Age version with Dragon mm-hmm. Age is that many of the abilities that you gain, like perf, well not just perfect but like decoy, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of re- relies on you using a strength test. That's right, strength a stealth test. Mm-hmm. And decoy doesn't really work if there's no stealth test. That's true. Um, is a rogue an effective combatant without buffs and other aid from other characters? I mean, I think so. I think so, too. I mean, a level one backstab is going to be your bread and butter, and you're going to probably want to get a little clever at uh, early levels because you haven't got a lot of powers to play with, but later on you get things like bluff and you get dirty fighting, and especially if you've got multiple rogues in the party, dirty fighting is going to become a favored power of yours. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've all got a fr- all that somebody surrounded, you dirty f- you hit them with a dirty fighting attack, they become stunned, and then suddenly every attack that's coming in is a backstab. Mm-hmm. With buffs, they are terrifying. Mm-hmm. With buffs, they they objectively yeah, terrifying. They rocket through the sky rather fast once you start getting them buffs, uh, especially things like telekinetic weapons, which makes their mm-hmm. pierce armor as, at past level two. And honestly, if you've got people casting tech telekinetic uh, weapons, hopefully you're past level two. You better, actually, you literally have to be. Yeah, actually. 
Unless your GM is allowing you to take spells with prerequisites at level one. That means your GM wants you to turn into an abomination. Rubble. Trap detected. Trap detected. Don't do that. But and, uh, um, my personal favorite question here. <laughs> yes. Um, this question we included for fun. If people are the children of the Maker, what does it say that Andraste becomes his bride? This is the point at which, you know, insert picture of uh, my Dalish mage drinking a glass of milk and having it shoot out her nose, because this is just the best. This is just the best thing. And see, like, every Templar and Chantry mother and sister just quietly turn towards the person who asked the question. We do not speak of such things. You should probably run. You should probably run. Incidentally, that is hysterical. Yes. And you win brownie points. That's great. Way to think about this too hard and make it fun for the rest of us. Oh, I'm so glad. So, thank you, Mark Natras. Thank you so much for all the questions. Uh, Next questions come from Drunkle Grog through our email. Uh, Let's see, a little bit of setup you gave us. You have spent years building up to this moment. You are about to face down the big baddie of the campaign, the one who killed your loved ones, who destroyed your friends, who killed your favorite PC, and who has thwarted you at every turn. No, not the GM. The final (laughs) boss. Don't actually attack your GM. Please don't. Uh, As a PC, what should you do in-game and out-of-game to make this a momentous occasion? Mm. Now, we're coming up on the final battle in our campaign, so these are very relevant questions for us. Yeah, one of the things that we have done, sort of working as a team with mm-hmm. with Ren, is that each of our characters have both come in, sort of just figured out whether or not they could trust each of we could. I can't talk today, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Whether or not we could trust each other, mm-hmm. and once that bond was solidified, we also had to look back at some of our deepest and darkest weaknesses and failings and try to see if whether or not us making it past them could make us stronger and ready to face this person who has caused us so much trouble. And uh, I think making the PC almost either emotionally ready or emotionally unstable, if you want to have a more surprising ending, Mm -hmm. can be a really cool part of uh, making a satisfying ending. Oh, yeah. Have them go into that battle with just a sliver of doubt. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and in game and out of game, talk to out of game rather talk to your allies, talk mm-hmm. to your GM, make sure that everybody's on board to make this really cool. Yeah, talk about how excited you are, and and GMs always love it when players ask, "What can we do to help?" Mm-hmm. Feel free to uh, give ideas, although remember that you will have to face them. Correct. This is a problem I frequently. This experience. is a problem you frequently have because you're very good at helping me build threats. I don't know what you're talking about. It's true. Uh, as a GM, what have you done to make this night super special? Um, I mean, I I personally use a lot of sound effects and music when I run my games, so I always make sure to pick out some of my favorite tracks and uh, get lots of sound bits and uh, create some sound beds that sound nice and dramatic, like whooshing winds or people hunting or people screaming or explosions in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to build I like to build a little atmosphere. You're a sound person. I am a sound person. That's part of my degree. That's true. So that's that's one of the things I do. Um, you can also make the night special by like getting some decent food, maybe uh, going maybe like getting food with the players before the game to talk about it, mm-hmm. or even getting food with them after the game to or make some Dragon Age recipes if you're playing yeah. Dragon Age. If you have that World of Thetis Volume Two, they've got recipes in there, so we can make things like Dalish pancakes. 
I also recommend the Forest Comfort. The Forest Comfort is very good. That stuff's good. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend, necessarily recommend the barreled fish that the Avar that they have for the Avar because you, I think you actually have to get it in a barrel of brine for like months. Several months. Several yeah. months. You would have to plan for that. Although, yes. how cool would that be to break that out after like a two-year campaign? <laughs> Guys, look what I have. I put this in when we started. <laughs> We're eating it now. Um, I guess you could do that if you wanted to. Um, let's see. Find some really cool minis that you can use for the big beds. Um, art. art. Yeah, definitely get some art. Or if you're good at creating art yourself, make some. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Good lighting. Get things comfortable. And um, make sure that you've got a game plan for what happens directly after they after they win or after they lose. Mm -hmm. So that you can give them, uh, give them a nice, a nice send off, a nice yeah. denouement. Yes, yeah, so that was the big thing. The, to say. Have a denouement prepared, yeah, like have the, a falling action and a conclusion, maybe even a little bit of an epilogue. Yes, because the fight is going to be a big part of it. Assuming that you want your P, that your PCs win, you should be ready to know what, ready to roll into what happens next. Yeah, one thing that we tend to do is once the campaign is over, there's usually at least one last episode where everybody's doing something profoundly ridiculous, like yes. You know, like having a beach party or like, you know, doing some other ridiculous thing that requires a certain amount of work or, mm -hmm. you know, tailing a group of kids to make sure that they don't injure themselves. I think that was one of the favorite parts of the Pathfinder campaign is having like the level 17 characters trailing around the level 1 NPCs who are all trying to go on their own little adventure. Yep. Well, they were all like seven years old and yes. they, they were, were very excited to, get themselves to be hurt. heroes. And so we just literally tailed them at, as, like, you know, I think we were 15th level, 7th mythic tier. Yes. And we were just following these kids around to make sure they didn't get hurt and that they didn't <laughs> notice that we were solving all their problems. It was good. It was a good time. It was very silly. Mm-hmm. Well, are there any final bosses you will never forget? Uh, I are a few. We've had, we've had a couple good ones. Uh, the final boss of our fir my first Star Wars game. That was fun. Was pretty cool. The one I was thinking of is uh, the rake fight, where uh, the reason that one was exceptional is there. Well, for one, there were like eighteen different characters mm -hmm. involved in that fight. Yeah, that was eighteen PCs involved in that fight. I think there but, were sixteen players at the table with us. Mm -hmm, but Ren and I came up with because this enemy had caused deliberate personal harm to each and every one of these people in some way or another. And so had stinging barbs prepared for each individual player. That was good. And all of them were on point. Oh, yeah. And every time he, he threw one at somebody, the uh, the player was just stricken. Like, Ooh, they were just so ready to see them, be, see their face in the dirt. It was it was so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, never, I won't forget that final battle against... Slenderman. Yeah, we, we did do that, didn't we? we that was Slenderman really, really hard. Actually, be a deity, and I think we kind of, with thanks to Mythic Death, uh, Mythic Death Ward, was it? Mythic or, Deathless. Deathless. One of the one of the cohort, cohort pieces yeah. ended up at like negative a thousand something. Negative twenty two hundred and fifty. Oh yeah. That's where he went. That was that was intense. Yeah. To be sure. So yeah, there have been some great final bosses yes. in this in uh, our mm -hmm. household. The final battle of the second Star Wars campaign I had, I think, 15 players, and it was awesome. It was also epic because it was a, it was a huge it was actually a huge twist because they all thought that the final boss from the first campaign had come back, 
it turned out it was this other it guy out, we'd been kind of yeah. working with the whole time. Uh-huh. And yeah, we knew felt, he was a jerk, I but... Felt, I felt pretty proud of that one. Ooh, yeah, we were mad. Let's see. Um, other than that, and uh, I guess the next one was, uh, have you ever experienced a final boss that was a huge letdown? How do you recover as a GM or a PC? Honestly, like, when it comes to major campaigns, I don't think I've ever experienced that. I think we've been pretty lucky. Yeah, I mean, and I've been playing games since I was 12, and so I'm not going to directly say but that's been like 18 years, so it's been a long time to not actually have any disappointing bosses. I mean, I won't say that every you know one-off scenario I've ever played has had a great end boss, but mm-hmm. all the ones that I've invested, you know, at least more than a month or two in... Mm-hmm have had really, really excellent endings. Like When I ran a Pathfinder scenario, I remember being very let down personally because I was running it. Mm-hmm. And I and it was this huge it was it was a retriever against a bunch of against a bunch of like level seven characters. So it was it was a nasty it was supposed to be a nasty fight. Yeah, that would have been really hard. Um, but the alchemists had been holding out for a while and like fast bombed haste Exploding snakes. I don't know. Did like so did like almost 200 damage to it and just wiped it. Just like two like not even a first round had been finished and he exploded this. If that's thing. the person I'm thinking of, that'll happen. It was definitely the person you're thinking. Of. <laughs> I I remember being I remember being caught off guard a bit. I was a little distraught and perhaps got a little bit saltier than I probably should have been. I was not very proud of that, but. It happens. It happens sometimes, and as GMs, we've got to be ready for it. It can happen, and although it can be supremely frustrating if you spend, like, weeks building the super cool encounter, and the players just curb stomp it mm-hmm. be- because of maybe, like, a lucky roll or because they've been holding out for a while. Or if they just happen to roll, yeah, if they happen to have the right thing at the right time, they yes. don't realize it until, and you don't realize mm-hmm. it. And, then and you don't know it until it's too late. Life bubble does what? Ugh. That is that spell, and protection from evil have ruined my GMing life many times. You made me. I know, and I'm happy I did. Jerk. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day, you jerk. So thank you for the questions, Drunkle Grog. Uh, next question comes from our good friend, fellow podcastier, Parsible on the Green Running Forums. Thank you again, uh, and this is a good one. Uh, in all three Dragon Age computer games so far, the Mind Blast spell exists, but it functions in a completely different way uh, to the Green Ronin spell. It is centered on the caster and knocks back foes a little, though the upgraded spell can stun them. At the moment, it is, mo- it is more powerful than Telekinetic Burst, which costs you more mana and has a higher casting number, which should not be the case. Do you think the Mind Blast spell would be unbalancing and more in tune with the computer games if the text read as follows? You create a circular blast of telekinetic force with a two-yard radius that's centered on your person. Those caught in the blast are knocked two yards away from you and can only take one action on their next turn, which must be a minor one. Targets that make a strength might test versus your spell power can take a major action instead. Uh, I think that's still actually pretty powerful. I mean, don't get me wrong, I really love that spell. I love being mm-hmm. able to do the targeted fall down. Mind Blast is a nice spell. But uh, I think cre- changing the, ri- the uh, way the spell cre- sort of emanates, mm-hmm. that's not the word I'm looking for, I really can't talk today, but uh, the way the spell presents, sort of as far as range and effect goes, mm-hmm. is probably a solid way to uh, nerf it a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that it also it doesn't you know 
at no point does the spell say that it doesn't affect your friends. Correct. Even in the current iteration, but this would make it a bit more dangerous. Mm. And I do like that it would... I feel like it kind of balances itself out, though, to be similar power level, because Mm. the one that we currently have, while it does knock people prone, it only... it makes it so that they have to take minor actions, but they can still take two minor actions. Mm. In this version, whether or not they make a successful test, they only get one action. Mm. They don't go prone, but they only get one action, which negates a little bit of that extra movement they could have had. Mm. Of course, they probably didn't need it if they were that close to you anyway, so... I think, um, I don't know if you intended it this way, Parsible, but to me it looks like it pushes them two yards, knocks them, let's see, pushes them two yards from you, and then only allows them to take one action, and the strength might test determines what kind of action they can take. That sounds pretty powerful. Like, completely denying their action, an, an action no matter whether or not they make the tests. Like, I, I, maybe you meant, like, um, that they could all that um, kind of like how it was originally worded is that uh, they can't take major actions on the next turn, and if they make the strength check, they can take the major action. I feel like that would make actions. this extremely weak, then though. Right. Like it, this is a tough spell to balance. It's true. I think that yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think the way this one works works pretty well for itself. But uh, the way that it works right now, or at least with Standard mind blast is that you can do it anywhere within 50 yards of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think nice. this is a bit more balancing because yeah. even if they can only take one action, mm-hmm. they can use that action to move out of your mm-hmm. area of effect, and then you can't just spam it on them. Right. This sort of salt, unless you're going to run around chasing people doing mm-hmm. it, this uh, kind of eliminates the problem of the spammed mind blast on low mm-hmm. strength enemies. Yes. I could see that. I mean, it's fun though. Mm hmm. And I think that Telekinetic Burst has a function that is different from Mind Blast, uh, especially if your combat is involving things like hazards or involving mm-hmm. other like, AoE ongoing spell effects like Inferno or Tempest or Blizzard or even just a pit that you can then use the Telekinetic Blast to push the bat. Nothing the like into. knocking someone into their own spell. Mm-hmm. And because, especially because that one uh, creates a four-yard radius burst, and the burst pushes them to the outer edge of that burst, it could potentially move them, like, six yards. And that's not bad, if they fail the test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if they make the test, they're still knocked prone by it. Yeah, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the big part, is the fact that even if they make it, they're still prone. Yes. Well, not prone, they're still... Uh, that's not that they're still prone, they're still moved, whether or not they're sent prone. Is that right? I think... I think the telekinetic burst. Well since I used it. Yeah, well, you're not a force mage, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the there, the one that I have is similarly inclined. Let's see, here it is. Oh yeah, this one is the okay. Yeah, no, I'm the, not familiar uh, with this because I don't have this. Mm-hmm. Thrown to the nearest edge of the burst. Targets take damage from terrain and hazards, depending on situation. So if you're in a crowded hallway and you use it, you throw everybody into the walls. Uh, GM determines what damage, if any, is applied. Those that make the test are not moved, but are still knocked prone. It's a bit bigger, but yeah, you're right. This is... Uh, hmm. it doesn't well, cost, it actually costs very little, so I can see five it. five mana, which is uh, two more mana than Mind Burst costs. Mm-hmm. And the Mind Blast. Yeah, I was uh, thinking of Glyph of Repulsion. Glyph of Repulsion is also very nice. Which always knocks people away. It's whether or not they are oh, yeah. knocked prone. That is yes. Uh, that one costs twice as much, but it has the same... 
casting target. It has to obtain target number as telekinetic burst. Mm-hmm. So, you know, different strokes, different folks. I think that this could, that uh, if that's how you want to run it, it would probably it could probably work if, mm-hmm. if you wanted to have it cleave closer to the video games. And uh, judging by how a lot of GMs seem to feel about Mind Blast, I imagine a lot of folks are going to agree with you. <laughs> Can't fathom why. So, uh, thank you again, Parsifal. Uh, good food for thought. Mm-hmm. If you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, send a message to podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Pup on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cot or Lease on the D20 Radio forums. That's us. All right, so I believe, before we get to our main topic, that we mm-hmm. have some very cool dissonant verses to... Uh, All right, since we can't find this main topic just yet, it's, it's hidden too well, we're going to have to open our books to those dissonant verses. The perception's just not high Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Of course, but... (sighs) Welcome to the Distant Verses, our fan creation spotlight. Not only did Mark Natris send us lots of questions, many more questions than the ones we answered on this show Mm -hmm. right now, uh, which we'll be saving for later, but Mark Natris also wrote... Uh, a new special, a new actually three new specializations, multi-class specializations. With, That's cool. Yes, with these new specs, you can dip into the other classes to gain a few of their powers for for the cost of a couple of talents. Uh, it's quick, straightforward, and gives the PCs a touch more a touch uh, more the versatility. And uh, honestly, the more I look at it, it's a bit more than a touch, especially because the novice degree lets you count yourself as the other class for determining what talents you can take. That's a lot. That is that very powerful. Up, that opens up a lot. It's cool, especially if you wanted to like rocket fuel your game. Yeah. Personally, but, I would probably move that particular benefit to the master degree of the multi-class specialization yeah. if it was if it was up to me. And uh, I might tweak a couple of them around a little bit, like one of the like the think the journeyman degree of the warrior multi-class gives you a new weapon group. That might be a good novice thing. Good novice thing, maybe not necessarily a good. Uh, journeyman thing. Not a good thing to start with. Either way, it sounds like these things are great. I haven't gotten to see yes. them yet. Yes. Well, if you would like to see them, and if I you will. out there would like to see them, you can find this in submission and all other submissions archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wondersofthetispodcast.wordpress.com That sounds good. Mm-hmm. I'll have to show them to you. Uh, if you would like to share your custom Dragon Age RPG content, send us a message at wondersofthetispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud account. Send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Pop on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cot Release on the D20 radio forums. That's still us. Well, I wasn't sure if you were going to do it again, because it hadn't been too much time, but you did, and I admire the dedication. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a creeping shadow in the room. We should probably go investigate... Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that really works as a plan. Feel no. Like off our game. Mm-hmm. Just We're just kind of stumbling around in the dark here. Guess we can't find it. That inspiration. Mm. It's darkness and stuff! This is the shadow. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So, you're a shadow. A shadow? A shadow. 
Turn to page 70 of the core rulebook to see the specialization for yourself. Uh, first, obvious question, what is a shadow? Uh, most rogues can sneak or employ deception, but shadows take this a step further. They practice their deception and stealth until it becomes an art form. Standing face to face with their foes is something they can do, but they excel at keeping their foes guessing. Mm -hmm. True shadows are such masters of misdirection that they rule their foes with uncertainty. To truly face a shadow is to question whether you faced one at all. No advantage is beyond consideration, darkness, cover, alchemy, or quick and well-placed words to keep their opponents off balance and ensure that arrowheads and daggers find their marks. This is a good special. This thing. is a really good spec. I'm glad that you folks wanted to talk about it because this is just a really solid one. Uh, so, the interesting question is, who in Dragon Age has this spec? And the answer is... Nobody with a name, except maybe Sebastian? Well, I mean, it's Shadow. Isn't it fitting that we wouldn't know who has it? Correct. I've had that same thought. I'm glad you brought it up. Yep. It's uh, It seems a little weird that they would just come out and tell us, and of mm -hmm. course they won't, because that's what being a Shadow is all about. It's true. Um, this is, a, however, was a spec that was available in Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2, so it's likely several of your uh, Wardens and Hawks happen to be shadows. Bet you Lely Potentially. I would not be surprised if that was her second specialization. Bet you it's Lely. Mm-hmm. She'd be very good at it. Uh, or maybe even Cole's second specialization. That'd be a good one for him. That would be a good one for Cole. So, how do you unlock the shadow spec? Uh, despite being a spec that should be, uh, that I think should likely be available to all rogues, uh, as many shadows are self-taught, this spec is a bit harder to get than others. Uh, you need a dexterity of four. This is the only spec that requires an ability to be that high. Likely because it only requires one ability. Correct. Instead of having to get two abilities up to three, you just need to get one to four. It, this means that this is a good one if you're min-maxing, but mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't be if you uh, look at some of the stuff right. it does later. You also need the dexterity ledger domain and dexterity stealth focuses. Uh, this is perfectly possible as a first spec. It does mean that you may, depending on how your background treats you, may have to dedicate your first two focuses to getting those focuses. Mm -hmm. If your background doesn't give you stealth or ledger domain. Uh, if you want to get it by level 6. Although if you if you GM like I do, you can say that you level up in whatever order you want to. So you could say that you get the spec before the you one, decide yeah. whether what, what talent you take. For a specialization. That's fair. Um, if you've got at least one of the focuses as part of your background, you have a bit more wiggle room. Uh, because you need to, you only get two primary focuses before level six, you may have choices made for you if you want the spec. Uh, just for reference, the Chastened Wilder, the City Elf, the Free Marcher, and the Orlesian Commoner can get one of the focuses needed right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. The Dwarf Duster can get both. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, other than the required ability ratings and focuses, there are plenty of shadows out there in Thetis. This means that finding a trainer isn't conceptually too hard. Actually okay. finding them, though, could be an adventure in and of itself. It's actually probably pretty hard to yeah, find them. Likely, yes. Uh, and it, honestly, it could be fun to go on a quest, find a trainer for a shadow, uh, especially if that trainer knows that you're following them and is leaving clues behind to see if you can sleuth them out. That could be fun. But wouldn't that be testing your ability to detect them and not your ability to hide? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, maybe they happen to be hiding in very secure locations. <laughs> if you want to learn how to become a shadow, meet me in the Templar vaults. 
Do it. <laughs> um, are you sure? Flips it over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Origins, the video game, uh, Dragon Age Origins, had a manual for sale, so there's little reason you couldn't do that unless that doesn't work for your campaign. It feels kind of cheap to just spend a, spend a couple gold to get a manual to unlock it. Um, if that doesn't work for you, then you can skip it, but if you maybe if your characters are like pressed for time, then that, or you need to get the story moving in a different direction, then that can usually help. Mm-hmm. So, let's get into the fun stuff. What does the spec do? This is a very solid spec for rogues. It builds on things they already do, makes them more survivable, and even gives them a sweet damage boost. Yeah, there is very little reason to not make this one of your specializations. It's true. Uh, at the novice degree, you gain a shadow mode. Uh, as an activate action, you can turn it on, and while you're in shadow mode, you get a plus one bonus to all dexterity ledger domain and dexterity stealth tests. Uh, and enemies have a difficulty have a difficult time pinning you down or getting a telling blow on you, so you they always get a negative one penalty to damage rolls when they attack you. And that's just a nice little thing to have. Yeah, that's I mean not only can you backstab better because you're getting bonuses to dexterity stealth, but you take less damage. Uh, while this may not seem like much, if, assuming you're wearing armor, it can add up over time. Mm-hmm. And it pairs well. Mm-hmm. As far as survivability goes, yes. With the next ability that you get as a journeyman, mm-hmm. you get a very powerful stunt called decoy. At only two stunt points, this stunt is kind of incredible. And this stunt is amazing. We've seen it used very well. You make a dexterity stealth test as part of the stunt, and keep it in mind: anybody, anyone who mm-hmm. attacks you until your next turn must make a perception seeing test against this dexterity stealth test. Which is being bumped by your shadow mode, mind you. I thought it was just the next attack. Yeah, it's it's until your next turn. Anybody who attacks you needs to make a perception seeing test, or the attack just misses. And they lose the action. That's absurd. It's amazing. And it only costs two stunt points. Isn't Are you cr- sure? That, that, you can, well, actually, don't open it up because the but the same page has a spider on it. Yeah, I'm not um, a spider fan, guys. But I can read it. Uh, I'll read it already. out loud for, let's see, for um, clarity's sake. It's just it's kind of amazing. You can confuse and misdirect opponents so that they attack imaginary enemies. While in shadow mode, you can perform the decoy combat stunt for two stun points. Make a dexterity stealth test and note the test results. Until your next turn, anyone attempting to target you with a ranged or melee attack must beat your test result with a perception seeing test. Those who fail still make the attack, thus using an action, but miss automatically. That is wild. Isn't it? It that only is... costs two stunt points. I mean, it does require you to roll stunts, so it's not something you should rely on. But if you're good enough at stealth, this just makes you unhittable. I mean, if you're a sh- if you're a shadow, you are probably very good at stealth. Yep. You just you make a dexterity stealth test, and that is your new defense. And if you have even the novice stealth talent, you get to roll it again if you think you did badly. I will. I, however, um, the the uh, what's it called? The scouting talent lets you reroll dexterity. Reroll a failed dexterity stealth. Oh, that test. is true. Because this is not technically against a target number, you can't fail, fail it. it. Yeah, so you, you just have to live with whatever you get. Okay, well that's a little less broken. Yes, and it, it, I mean it does require you to get them two stunt points. Oh, sorry, cool. <laughs> I left it open too long. Um, and of course, if you're like count like our like our rogue Callion and have 
focuses, magic items, and are shadow mode active, then your dexterity stealth is probably climbing up pretty high. Oh, yes. Um, next, of course, is the master degree. You always add, and this is one's just, you always add cunning to backstab damage rolls. This is why you don't want to make yourself a, uh, too much of a min-maxer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because uh, adding that cunning to your backstab damage rolls, mm-hmm. that's a pretty solid thing. Yes. Is it the secondary ability? You can you can just start investing in it early. Uh, you'll probably want to invest in strength a little bit, but I mean, if you're also investing in strength, you're adding two abilities to your to your damage rolls with backstabs. That's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Uh, cunning is a secondary ability. Um, meaning you, can, you don't have to have it contend with like your dexterity, your perception, and your um, and your goodness perce- and perception, mm-hmm. dexterity, perception, and communication. That's, That's it. it. Goodness, uh, it may contend for strength if you intend to focus on melee combat, and if you're backstabbing, you probably are. Um, but I mean, you can just alternate between strength and uh, strength and cunning until they hit five, and then that's plus ten on all your backstab damage rolls. Yeah. And pretty solid damage for your normal attacks. Um, ranged focus rogues may get less out of this because they already have gotten lethality at level 9, where they just add cunning to all their ranged damage attacks. This would stack with that, wouldn't it? Potentially, uh, if if you allow backstab with ranged weapons. Mm-hmm. But then I guess you could add cunning twice. And if you then, succeed on the backstab. Right, you have to succeed on the backstab, and then presumably you add cunning twice and then perception. That would be pretty much a lot. I would be, as a GM, be a little leery of it, because adding three abilities to a damage roll is... A lot. That's a lot. Especially if you really invested in one of them and you're adding it twice. Mm-hmm. So it can get Or maybe, nice. uh, maybe let them do that, but only if, mm-hmm. again, make backstab something you must do when you are adjacent. Yes. I can see that. So, you may have to add some qualifiers and, of course, talk to your GM about it and see how they feel about it. Because Dragon Age is very open-ended, and there's a, lot of, there's, there's a lot of things that are kind of left in the air so that GMs can tailor the game however they like it to be. And then uh, we'll talk, and then we'll move on to uh, how do other specs complement the shadow, and honestly, how don't they? All of them work with it. All of them them work with the shadow. More, more. I guess more accurately, the shadow works with all of them because the shadow Mm -hmm. just does rogue stuff really well. Um, But we'll go down the list and we'll talk about it. Um, First uh, is assassin because assassins already boost their backstab. This would be some pretty terrifying synergy once you get them both to master degree. Um, And because they have a higher target number when you perform, they perform dirty fighting, uh, and can of course mark their targets for death. Yeah, so yeah. if an assassin like marks the target for death, dirty fightings them, uh, and then all of their rogue friends who maybe are also assassins, or and maybe and maybe one or two of them is also a shadow, are adding two d six and cunning onto all backstab damage rolls. That person. That's nice. That person's gonna have a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention that assassins can always benefit from being a little sneakier in their approaches, killing their targets quickly and getting away easily. And of course, uh, because you are still, and honestly, this applies to all of them, because mm-hmm. you are a rogue and maybe a little squishy, that decoy stunt is going to help you survive. Yep. Uh, I kind of like this next one because it creates a bit of a duality. Um, the bard. 
Hello, BB. Don't be. Don't be. Hmm. You come hang out. When you're lonely. Okay, that is a yes. Oh. Come here, Let's have a little see. Why do you reach for my face? Why do you do that? Because <laughs> I want you to touch it. There you go. There's a nice snowy place for you. Hmm. The bard uh, makes a really interesting little juxtaposition. Because in the light, you're a performer, mm -hmm. and in the dark, you disappear. Any bard who does a lot of work in the dark corners of Orlais, <coughs> of Orlais and beyond uh, would definitely benefit from the skills of a shadow. They wouldn't directly mesh well, as the bard's specialization relies on being seen and heard rather than fading from sight. That being said, shadows can perform their favorite tricks in many ways, and once a bard gets into a fight, they can benefit from the shadow's damage boost and decoy stat. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of open exactly how the decoy stunt works, so it could also be maybe that your bard happens to throw a very well-placed jibe uh, at somebody during combat, which is how they perform their decoy stunt. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, if you want to flavor it that way. And of course, they'll always appreciate that extra damage, that extra damage boost from uh, let's see, from master degree. Uh, duelists. Some duelists need an extra edge, and the shadow works very well for that. Uh, you would have to wait until you become a master of both, but getting to do penetrating damage on a pierce armor stunt that also happened to be a backstab is quite exciting. We've been seeing it a lot. We have. Uh, just because that perfect strike was a little low below the belt doesn't make them less dead and you less alive. Again, we uh, we see this combination. Yes. It In works. great detail. It works very well. Um. And then the this one's interesting. Legionnaire Scout. Uh, the deep roads have a lot of places oh. to hide, and the hardy Legionnaire Scouts could only get harder to kill by becoming a shadow. Oh, man. These two specs mesh to make a rogue nearly tank-like, avoiding attacks altogether with decoy. When they do hit you, you're increasing armor rating with willpower, reducing damage with shadow mode, and increasing the cost of damage-boosting stunts against you. You, <laughs> you can't really... You're, you're unstoppable. That's... <laughs> because that's nuts. Warriors do not get that many, like, mitigating abilities. Like, warriors just get big armor ratings. But you are giving them a penalty to damage, wearing your armor already, increasing your armor by half of your willpower, and re and increasing the cost of damage-boosting stunts against you. And making your defense sky-high if you get two stun points. Oh, how could we kill... How could a darkspawn hope to kill you? They can't. They can't. They just can't. They just can't. Um, marksman. You become a sniper, striking from the shadows a hundred yards away. Those two, uh, these two make you an excellent switch hitter, peppering foes with ranged attacks as they move in, only to hit them where it hurts when they close the distance. Shadow mode and decoy also make you more survivable when your normal tactics fail and you fall into melee combat, or the enemies have a marksman too. It also makes you, like, the quintessential scout. It's true. Like, the, if you want to be a scout and a sniper, this is probably the best way to do it. This is a really solid way to go. I don't know. Assassin would also make for a good sniper, but this, mm -hmm. I think, for melee, or not for melee, for ranged sniping, mm -hmm. which is really what sniping is, yes. this is probably the way to go. It's One of our NPCs is like this, and it mm -hmm. works out very well for him. Uh, and then finally is Ranger. Uh, attacking beasts make great distractions, and they can provide the opening you need to sneak around and hit hard. Rangers get a small boost to damage during surprise rounds, and with your dexterity stealth already through the roof, this likely won't be hard to get. 
uh, you maybe even be able to get a bonus and get this bonus multiple times in the same combat if you're clever and if the GM is kind. Uh, being able to call beasts can also be useful if you're creative. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. always good to be creative. Very interested to talk about the possibilities of the ranger specialization eventually. Mm-hmm. <coughs> That'll be a fun one. So, to close this particular discussion, um, we've got a couple of closing remarks for our shadow specialization. Uh, this could be e- very easily regarded as an always available spec due to the very general nature of the spec and the fact that a lot of shadows are self-made. Are we having fun with our animal companions? What was that about? Beasts make great distractions. <laughs> Why? Hmm. Um, there is uh, the question of melee versus ranged. The backstab ability seems to be more made for melee fighting, so this spec would likely support a melee rogue best, but you could potentially make it work for ranged rogues, uh, especially rogues who perhaps do thrown weapons, like throwing, like throwing daggers. Especially because once you get Master Degree in throwing weapons, you get penetrating damage on a Pierce Armor stun. And that's pretty nice. That is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't forget about the Dexterity Ledger Domain boosts that the spec gives. This can be used to pick pockets, hide objects on your person, make a little bit of money, you know? Your yeah. shadow is going to have a day job, you know? <laughs> Might as well just go be a sneak thief. You're going to be the best at it. You're going to be the best at it. Uh, talents. The scouting talent is a Take very, it. very important choice for this one because it lets you re-roll failed dexterity stealth tests, uh, and quite—I mean, conversation over. Get it? Uh, you wouldn't, and as we said, you would not be able to re-roll the stealth check you make for the decoy stunt because it's not against the target number. It can't fail. And uh, work if you know that you're going to go into this. Work on that cunning stat early. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially because, I mean, honestly, for rogues, work on that cunning stat early, no matter what specialization you're going for, because eventually you get lethality. And that will come in handy yeah. eventually. Then you can just add two abilities to range damage rolls, which means those, all, those ni- all those throwing knives you've got, you've got to pack a little extra punch. So, I think this has been a good show. I agree. I think it's time for it to slink back into the shadows. Mm-hmm. Until next time. Uh, thank you all for listening, and of course, thank you all for sending your questions and voting on the episode's topic. We love mm-hmm. uh, talking about the things you want to hear. It's true. And of course, uh, if you have questions or custom content, please send them to us at all the stuff we mentioned. Uh, <laughs> this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you so much for listening to the One is the Thetist podcast. We'll catch you next time. We'll catch you next time. Oh, but I mean, it's okay.